stay at one. Uh, we're going to read just a few verses. We've been, if you're new here, uh, we've been taking in the last few weeks, we've been going through the major sections of the Bible. Uh, we covered uh, the Pentateuch, the, the, the law, the first five books of the Bible, uh, the historical books. Uh, we covered those, uh, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, uh, 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 Joshua, Judges, the times of the Judges, and all these, these historical books we went through. We went through the poetical books. And, and today, we're going to talk about the, the prophets, the major prophets of the Bible. We, 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 these are the last two sections, the major and the minor prophets. Well, today, we're going to talk about Isaiah. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So we're going to cover them. And the way we do this is we will give like a brief synopsis of each, each particular book, and then we'll share a couple illustrate uh, 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 or excuse me, a couple life lessons, some things that we learned that we can apply to our life uh, through those books. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house. I want to, I want to challenge you. Uh, if, if you were not able to make the Wednesday night Bible study this past Wednesday, I want you to go, I want you to go and get it off the internet. Go, go and watch it or, or get it on CD in the, in the media center. But I want you to get it because God, he just showed up and, and gave us some help. Uh, the title was Traveling in Stormy Weather. Traveling in Stormy. How many of y'all have ever been in a storm before? Now, I'm not talking about thunder and lightning and rain and hail. I'm talking about just stuff going on in your life, and it was a storm of a lifetime. Listen, get that. Go listen to that, and I promise you, you'll get some help from it. Amen? All right. How many of y'all have found Isaiah chapter number one? It says, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah, and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, talking about the nation of Israel, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. In other words, a dumb old animal has enough sense to know who the master is. And my people who I've done so much for have no clue. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Look in verse 15. From verses 5 to 15, you'll find out that the nation of Israel was still religious. They still went through the ceremonial uh, rituals, and they, 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 they were away from God, but they still wanted to play the role. Are y'all with me? Say amen. In other words, they'd go out and live like hell itself through the week and come in on Sunday and sing just as I am. This is the condition of the people. They were still religious. They were still worshiping, and he says in verse 15, And when you spread forth your hands, and he's talking about in worship, he said, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Read it with me. Come now and let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Lord, help us today. Help me. Lord, I'm winded, and I, 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 need, I, need, I need your touch. I need your help to bring this word. God, this is so important. I, I, I feel such a, such a strong sense of the need of this truth today. And God, I pray that you'll help me to say what I'm supposed to say. Don't let me get arrogant. Don't let me, don't let me say something out of your will. Lord, help me to say what you want me to say. And God, I'll praise you, and I'll thank you and give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah. <clears throat> Isaiah, Jeremiah. Then we'll center this Lamentations. And then over here we'll have Ezekiel and Daniel. Isaiah and Jeremiah. If, if, if we go back to the historical books. If we go back to the historical books, we will, we will learn about the political movings and the, and the political activity, uh, the, 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 the leaders of the country, the kings, if you will, and all that they did that led them uh, from uh, being in a place of blessing and a place of favor to a place of bondage and slavery. Uh, we see the political movings and the political activities. But then in the prophets, we see the same period of time but we see the activity of the preachers or the prophets or the spiritual atmosphere. In the historical books, we see the political atmosphere, but now we're seeing the spiritual atmosphere and the need for God's man to stand up and declare truth. And here in Isaiah, we find Isaiah and Jeremiah are before the exile. Because if you'll remember when we went through the historical books that God called and led an enemy nation to come and to captive. They took captive all of the nation of Israel and took them back as slaves in captivity back to Babylon. If y'all remember that, say amen. Okay. These two preachers, these two prophets that we're looking at today, Isaiah and Jeremiah were prophesying before the captivity. Now, uh, over here, we find Ezra and Daniel. They are after the captivity, after they've been taken into bondage. So if that makes sense, say amen. I want y'all to keep that in mind. That's just, a little, that's just a little intro to this so you know who's saying it and when they're saying it. Isaiah begins, Isaiah begins, and he's probably, he's probably the greatest written prophet in the Bible. It, it is really cool, the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters, uh, the, the book of Isaiah is kind of like a mini-me of the Bible. It has the same amount of chapters, it has the same amount of chapters as the, the books of the Bible, 66. Are y'all with me? In the first half, the first half is just like the number that's in the Old Testament, and the second half is just like the numbers in the New Testament. The first 39 chapters, uh, just like the Old Testament, are filled with judgment, Upon immoral and idolatrous men. How many of y'all know Jesus? How many of y'all know Jesus in this place? All right, here's what I need you to pray. Satan's trying to stop me, and I feel it, and, and I need air, all right? So y'all pray that Satan will leave me alone, and I can breathe. Are how many of y'all pray that? All right, pray for oxygen. And if I can't get oxygen, I, I know y'all don't know Jesus. Amen. So help me pray. I, I, I've, I've just really gone after it in the first two because this is a real serious, serious message, and I just, I just need the touch of God. Will y'all help me right there? Amen. All right. Now listen, the first 39 chapters are compared to the first 39 books of the Old Testament. They're filled with judgment upon immoral and idolatrous men, 
Judah has sinned. The surrounding nations have sinned. The whole earth has sinned. Judgment must come, for God cannot allow such blatant sin to go unpunished forever. Well, the second half, the second, the final 27 chapters are like the final 27 books of the New Testament. In this, we find that, that even though there was idolatry, even though there was sin and judgment in the first half, the second half declares a message of hope. Say amen. The Messiah is coming as a Savior and a sovereign to bear a cross and to wear a crown. Isaiah is probably, as we said a while ago, the greatest of the writing prophets, and he prophesied the eventual fall of Jerusalem, the restoration of the people from captivity that would follow the conquest of Babylon by Cyrus of Persia. This book deals with the judgment of God and the punishment of his rebellious people, but they will also receive redemption and enter into a messianic age when a king descended from David will reign over the Lord's kingdom on earth. And we know that as the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I'm going to do. In each book, I'm going to give you a key theme and a key verse. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The key verse to Isaiah is Isaiah 1 and verse number 18. Come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And the key theme of Isaiah is salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. Isaiah is preaching in a dark hour. Isaiah is preaching in a dim time. Isaiah is preaching to wicked people and a wicked society who have turned their back on God. They've turned away from God and they've followed false idols. They have followed false gods. They have become so wicked that they begin to sacrifice their babies in fire and sacrifice them as a human sacrifice. They have gone so far away from God, but I'm glad to know no, even in my sin, even in my disobedience, even in my strength, that God is still all about salvation. I'm glad I've got a God who saves. I'm glad I've got a God who will look way beyond my fault and he'll see my need. He'll look beyond my problems and he'll see my potential. I'm glad he came to where I was because I couldn't get to where he was. And even in my sin, even in my backslidden state, even when I didn't know God and I didn't have any way to get to him, he came to me. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. It's all about salvation. You're wrong. You're disobedient. You're wicked. And judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But come now. Now listen, he says, come to me. Come to me. When do I need to come? He said, come now. Come right now. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Come now. Let us reason together. I'm, hey, I'm not only glad we have a saving God, we have a reasonable God. He's not a dictator. He's not going to force something on you that you don't want or you can't handle. And listen, he says, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about how good I've been to you. Let's talk about what I can do for you in your life. Let's talk about the changes I can make. Come now, let us reason together. When's the last time you reasoned with God? He's a God that saves Boy, if there's anything this, this, this country needs, it, they need to know that he is a God of salvation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's Isaiah. And there's a whole lot more in there, but we got to move along. Amen. Isaiah. Then we come. Then we come. The next prophet. The next prophet is Jeremiah. 
Isaiah means salvation is of the Lord. His theme is salvation from the beginning to the end. Amen. And then we find Jeremiah. Poor, boy, poor old Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a preacher that was, that was, that was, he was a, a, a man out of his time. He came and he proclaimed the word of God. And the Bible describes Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. You say, why was he weeping? Because there's nothing that breaks the heart of a man of God more than when people refuse to heed the message. Jeremiah proclaims over and over and over and over again, judgment is coming. God is going to judge your sin. God is going to judge your disobedience. God is going to judge your wickedness. The Bible says in Jeremiah 3, 22, return ye, he says, return ye backslidden children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Listen, the weeping prophet. You see, Jeremiah Jeremiah stuck out like a sore thumb because in his day, there were other preachers too. Y'all with me? There were other prophets too. And while Jeremiah was saying, God is coming, judgment is coming, you need to repent of your sin. You need to repent of your wickedness. You need to repent of your idolatry. You need to repent of your immorality. The life you're living is not right with God. He would stand and proclaim. Then on the other side of the street, there, there, was, a, there was a prophet over there with a big grin on his face saying everything's all right. This is your best hour. You're all good. God's all happy with us. God, God loves everybody and nothing, everything's good. Let's just be happy. Read it. It's there. Read it. It's there. The, the, listen, the leadership, the leadership, the kings would come and say, what's going to happen? They say, everything's good. While Jeremiah is over here saying, judgment's coming. Your wickedness is bringing judgment. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do you think the people are going to like better? The people that tell them what they want to hear or the people that say you're wicked and judgment's coming? They went as far as to drop him in a well. Now, I've had a lot of people reject my message, but they ain't dropped me in no well yet. But you know what? It's coming. It's coming. He was rejected by his family. He was rejected by the people. He was rejected by the community. He was rejected by the leaders because people wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And the Bible says in the last days, Paul told Timothy, perilous times shall come when people shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. They will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, they just tell me what we want to hear. Don't mess with my sin. Don't mess with my lifestyle. Just let me do what I want to do. Just tell me everything's going to be okay. Just shake my hand at church and smile at me. Don't, 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 don't get in my business. Just tell me God loves me and everything's going to be all right and leave me alone. Well, they're doing that everywhere. But you know what? There's some Jeremiah's all over the country that could care less about what society says. They could care less about what the winds of political wreckness is. They could care less about what this world and the culture is doing. And they're standing out like a sore thumb proclaiming the word of the Lord that if your sin keeps up, judgment is coming. 
And it's not popular. And it's not accepted. But I tell you what, it's the truth. Here we find, here we find Isaiah. Here we find Jeremiah. The theme, remember, of Jeremiah is repent. Repent, turn back to the Lord, come back to the Lord. Then, because they did not heed Isaiah's message, they did not heed Jeremiah's message, then we find lamentations. Lamentations is basically the, the funeral eulogy of the nation. It is, it is Jeremiah lamenting. He is broken. He is weeping. And he's saying, look what has happened to us. You could, you, could, you could intro it. Excuse me. You could intro the book by saying this. It came to pass after Israel was led into captivity that Jeremiah sat weeping and lamenting. And he lamented this lamentation over Israel. The key verse is Lamentations 2.17. The Lord hath done that which he hath devised. He hath fulfilled his word that he had commanded. In the days of old, he hath thrown down and hath not pitied. He hath caused thine enemy to rejoice over thee. He hath set up the, thorn, the horn of thine adversaries. What is he doing? He's sitting in the rubble. He's sitting in the midst of the destruction and said, look what's happened. Look what's happened. Look where we are. We were once a glorious nation. We were once a nation with the hand of God and the favor of God and the blessings of God, and we stand in rubble. Given a funeral eulogy. Let me tell you how I know he was a real man of God. Because there's, there's preachers everywhere. There's, they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You, you shake a tree and the three will fall out. Preachers are a dime a dozen. And this is what, this is what, this is the difference between a preacher and, 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 and a so-called minister. Everybody in the world calls themselves reverends. Don't even make me give you an illustration. But here's what will happen. A reverend will say, I told you. You wouldn't listen to me. I told you. Look what happened now. It serves you right. But a man of God will sit in the, in the rubble with you with tears dripping off his face. Because even though you would not listen, even though you would not heed the message, he's broken with you. And Jeremiah would sit in a heap and he would weep and see what our nation has come to. Boy, we need some more Jeremiah's today, ladies and gentlemen. Then we find Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, before the exile, lamentations during, all the destruction, all the rubble, the chaos. Then we find Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a mysterious book. Ezekiel is, is full of symbolism and, and typology, and, 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 and Ezekiel is during the exile. And, and what Ezekiel's doing is trying to get the, the, the focus of the people back on the glory of God. Are y'all with me? He's trying to get people to put their focus back 
on the Lord. Look what it says. We find, we find this, this, this verse that uh, it's, it's over and over and over again. Uh, some, commentaries, some commentaries have said it's uh, found 70 times in the book. Now, I found 63, and there may be others that's worded a little different, but this, watch this right here. Here's the key verse. Ezekiel 6, 7. Ezekiel 6, 7 says, And the slain, now this is God's people that are dying. They're falling. They're dying. The slain shall fall in the midst of you. Why? And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Seventy times it says. Over and over and over and over. All through the book, you're going to know that I'm the Lord. You're going to know that I'm the Lord. This judgment is here so you will know that I'm the Lord. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of bondage. I gave you provision, and I gave you protection, and I gave you prosperity, and I gave you abundance like no one has ever seen. And you have forgotten me. You have turned your back on me. You have done your own thing. You have led your own life. But ladies and gentlemen, this judgment is going to prove, and it's going to show that I am the Lord. Listen, one of the, one of the most devastating things that you read in the book of Ezekiel is this, 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 this image that, that Ezekiel sees of the glory of the Lord departing out of the temple. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Shekinah glory. Let me explain it. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, when they were at Mount Sinai, how many of y'all remember what I'm talking about? God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and now they're here at the mountain to meet with God, and God meets with them, and they get all of the, all of the, the instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was where God's people met with God here on this earth. And in that tabernacle, there was the outer court where they had the, the, uh, uh, the laver and, 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 and all of that. And then in the inner court, we find in the inner sanctuary, the holy place, we find the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the, and the, 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 the golden candlestick. And then beyond that, beyond that curtain, that was the holy of holies, the holiest of all. That was where the Ark of the Covenant was where the mercy seat was on the top, and that was where God dwelt. That was where the Shekinah glory, that glowing light, that part that God, you see, God is a spirit. God is an invisible God. And there, it was the glory. It was the presence of God. One preacher told me he believed that that glory could be seen for miles. The Shekinah glory of God, that glowing image of God inside of that holy place. And listen, when, when, when Moses came down off of the mountain after he spent time in the Shekinah glory, the Bible said his face was glowing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It was that glory that went everywhere that the nation of Israel went. It was that glory that directed the nation of Israel. It was that glory that set apart the nation of Israel from the other countries and the other peoples and the other religious establishments. You see, there were temples everywhere. There were churches everywhere, if you will. And when, when they finally made a temple and Solomon Hallelujah, I'm getting, I'm getting God bumps already, amen. And Solomon was there, and word got around all the people of the glory of Solomon and the favor of God on Solomon in the kingdom of Israel. The queen of Sheba, she came. She says, I just got to see it for myself because all these things I'm hearing, there's no way that this could be true. I got to see it for myself. And when she got there, the Bible says that Solomon told her all of her heart, and Solomon took her on a tour and went and showed her the palace 
was and went and showed her the place and went and showed her the city. But oh, when they went into the house of the Lord, the Bible says the queen of Sheba said, Woo, it's done took my breath away. Oh, I had nothing else to say. I couldn't think of nothing else. Now, here's the thing. She'd been to church before. She'd been to religious establishments before. She'd been in temples before, but she ain't never been in a temple with a cloud in it. She'd never been in a temple that had the glory of God in it. Oh, this place was different. And I'm telling you, the Shekinah glory of God is what's missing in today's church. Listen, there's churches all over America. There's meeting places all over the place. But there is no power. There is no presence. There is no glory. The presence of God is gone. And Ezekiel is prophesying. Ezekiel is seeing the glory of the Lord departing out of the temple. That's the saddest thing I've ever read. The saddest thing I ever read. And that is the problem with the church in America. We have have become like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Preacher, what about that glory? One cool thing about that glory, he said, it's going to come back. And you know what happened? Many years later, in a, in, a, in a stable in Bethlehem, there was a little baby born that was placed down in that cradle. And the Bible says in John 1, 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that same thing that left the temple that Ezekiel saw departing. It came back in the form of a little baby, in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that, listen, the glory that left the temple is residing in me. Say amen. Hey, hey, hey. Cut that out. We ain't got time. Amen. Come on. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember when Jesus come into, come into the city on the donkey? How many of y'all remember that? Y'all remember he came into the city and, uh, and, 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 and the people, they bowed down and they cried out. Oh, glory. Hosanna to the king. They begin to worship the king. You know why? They couldn't help it. It's just like the woman that come to Jesus and at his feet. And when she got into the presence of Jesus because she was bringing him an offering, oh, she got so overwhelmed with his presence, she began to weep. And her tears began to hit his feet. And she got down and she began to kiss his feet. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you, when you get in the glory, worship will be spontaneous. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to manufacture it. It'll just happen. And here we see Jesus coming in on that donkey. Here comes the glory. Here comes what had departed out of the Old Testament temple. Here comes the glory. And they get in front of the tabernacle. They get in front of the temple. And the church folk come out. It's in there. The church leaders, the priests who's supposed to, supposed to know better and supposed to lead people into the glory and lead people into the presence of God. They come out of having church and they get mad and say, do you see what these people are saying? Make them hush. You know what Jesus said? He said, if they did, the rocks and trees would cry out. Now get this image in your head. Get this image. This will blow your mind. The people who were responsible and were supposed to be caretakers of the glory of God didn't even recognize it when it rode by. 
Because for years, they'd been faking it. For years, they wanted everybody on the outside of the temple to believe that God was on the inside. And Ezekiel was the one who saw it leave. And for year after year after year, the church leadership was deceiving the people. And they kept bringing their sacrifices. And they kept coming to be in the presence of God. But God had departed. What's that got to do with us? People all over this country are going to church Sunday after Sunday, and the leadership are faking it. And there is no glory. There is no power. There is no presence of God. They're manufacturing it. They're trying to work it up. They're trying to do it in their own power. And guess what? They're dying in the droves. You know why people are leaving these places? Because they're tired of starving to death spiritually. And they're starting to see there is no God. There is no glory. The glories depart. Now watch this. I didn't really mean to get on all this, but since, since we're here, you don't really turn down the peanut butter pie when they sit it on your table. Are y'all with me? I was at, I was at, a, I was at a, 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 a restaurant the other day, and, 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 and I, no, I'm good, I'm good. They said, well, we got this whole table up. No, I'm good, I'm good. And they went back to the kitchen, <clears throat> and they brought out a peanut butter pie that fell slam out of heaven. And put that right in front of me. Now, I don't believe in offending nobody. Are y'all with me? So I went ahead, and while it was there, are y'all with me? So why, why don't we talk about this while we're here? The people who were faking it, they got angry at the people who were ushering in the real thing. What's that got to do with us? Churches all over this county think we're the Antichrist. They're dying, they're struggling, and they're faking it. And when you get someplace, I'm not just saying here, there's other places that got God's touch on it. But if you get a place that's in tune with God, and the glory is being manifested on a regular basis. The people that are faking it ain't going to like it. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. We got to get back to God. Because you see in the very next chapter, that's Ezekiel. Then, then we find Daniel. Daniel's all about the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? God is in charge. Are y'all with me? The key verse in Daniel is chapter 4, verse 34. We find King Nebuchadnezzar. See, King Nebuchadnezzar was arrogant. He, was, he, he thought he was God. He wanted everybody to worship him as God and treat him as God. And, and God showed him he wasn't God. God had Nebuchadnezzar go out and, and, and wander in the wilderness just like an animal. He basically lost his mind, went insane. His fingernails grew out like eagle's claws, and he, he ate grass like an oxen. And when God let him get back to where he needed to be, this is what Nebuchadnezzar said. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. 
And I bless the Most High, and I praise and honor him that liveth forever, whose dominion is ever, everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Let me translate that. He said, Don't mess with God. Preacher, what does that mean? Daniel teaches. Daniel is the Old Testament equivalent to the New Testament revelation. It's all about prophecy. But the main theme and the main truth and the main word message is this. God is in control. Don't let ISIS wig you out. I think we need to do something. I think we need to, we need, we need to, we need to, to do something about it. But God's in charge. I don't care what the Republicans do. I don't care what the Democrats do. I don't care what the Libertarians do. God is in charge. It doesn't matter what's happening in Russia or anywhere else. All these political figures are puppets in the hand of the master. God is sovereign. And what he says will take place. Here, here's, 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 I'm not going to give you all three. Let me just give you this one thing and we're going to pray. What do we learn from all this? What do we learn from all this? Just this, this first thing is what's important. With great privilege comes responsibility. And with responsibility comes accountability. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. God privileged the nation of Israel like no other nation on this planet. He gave them his word. He gave them his presence. He gave them his favor. He gave them his blessings. Listen, the, the nation of Israel was blessed like no other nation, so they were highly privileged. But with that privilege came responsibility. And when they failed to fulfill their responsibility, there came accountability. They had to give an account for what they had done. Preacher, what's that got to do with us? If you go look in the history of the world, of all of mankind, I cannot find another nation compared to Israel that God has blessed in such a way as America. No other nation on this planet has had the favor of God and the blessings of God like the nation of Israel as America has. And America has turned their back on God. God tried to get our attention at 9-11. And it worked for a momentarily. And then they turned their back on God. America's doing everything they can to get God out of their life, get God out of their, their business, just get God. I, we don't want, are y'all with me? Let me read this and we'll, we'll, we'll pray. President Lincoln, in his proclamation appointing a national day of prayer and fasting, listen to what he says. This is eerie. I'm telling you, this is eerie. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all of these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. 
if that was true then, where are we at today? Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're just keeping on. Judgment is coming. This that we saw out in Oklahoma, that's just a, that's just a tip of the iceberg of what's coming to America. God has blessed us, and we've turned our back on God. What do we do? What do we do? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. In other words, we got to do that before he even hears us. How many of y'all can see that we need God to intervene in our country? then let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy and your kindness, for your word. Thank you for the truth, the gospel. <clears throat> Our country's in a bad way. Our communities are in a bad way. Our homes are in a bad way. God, I, I want to challenge your people to come and pray. Come pray for their children. Come pray for their families. Come pray for their communities. Come pray for their leaders. Come pray for the cities. Come, come pray for our country. Hell is on its way. Judgment is on its way. Oh, God, we need to repent. We need to return to you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here in this building that's, that's out, of, out of your will, I pray that today would be the day they'd make it right. I pray if there's anyone here that's not saved, I pray today will be the day they trust you as their Savior. I pray if there's anyone here today that just needs to come to you for encouragement or help, I pray they'll come right now. Don't even, don't even wait to the end of the prayer. Don't even wait to the beginning of the song. Just come. Just come, come. Come now, come now, let us reason together. Come now if you're broken. Come now if you're weary. Come now if you're needy. Come now if you're down. Come now if you're discouraged. Come now. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.